Hi, I'm Matt Waller, Dean of the Sam M. Walton College of Business. Welcome to Be Epic, the podcast where we explore excellence, professionalism, innovation, and collegiality, and what those values mean in business, education, and your life today. I have with me today Ammon Jordan, who is the Active Transportation Coordinator at the University of Arkansas. And during this talk, we're going to talk about what that means. But Ammon has a tremendous background in many different uh, areas. And in fact, he's uh, even been in, he's been an investment manager, a fund manager. And now he's come back to Arkansas. And I should mention he's an alum of the University of Arkansas. And he's come back and is serving as Active Transportation Coordinator. Ammon, thank you for joining me today. My, my pleasure, Dean Weller. So, Ammon, I want to talk a little bit about your career, but before we do that, could you just tell me a little bit about what active transportation means? So active transportation, it, it, it feels like a buzzword coined by the, the Department of Transportation, but it really just means trying to get from A to B in anything but a car. So active transportation is as simple as, you know, walking from your house to the library, but it also means, you know, hopping on a, an e-scooter and taking that from uh, your apartment to the transit stop, you know, putting your e-scooter on the bus, riding the bus to the bus stop, riding your e-scooter to your classroom. So it's, it's multifaceted in that it means using your body, but it also, is vague enough to incorporate other types of alternative transportation. Um, but I, I tend to focus on the, the active part of the definition, which is really just using your body. So walking, biking, primarily. Okay, great. And we'll come back to your new role here in a little bit. But I, I want to go back a little bit because I know that you you graduated, you know, a little over 20 years ago. You studied earth science and geology, and I know for many years you've been involved in production, video, photo, marketing, um, mm -hmm. for like paddle sports, cycling brands, et cetera, et cetera. Could you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. This is before Netscape. This is before the World Wide Web. You know, so you kind of have to go back in time to think about uh, where I was in life and, and what the world was like. But I remember when I was 19 years old, I was a sophomore here at the University of Arkansas. And I really, I didn't know what I wanted to do with my life. I didn't, didn't know if I should be um, you know, chasing some sort of predefined career path that would lead me to you know, a high paying job and a uh, you know, picket fence, or if I should be exploring my, my passions um, if I should celebrate my curiosity or if I should just keep my head down and, uh, and aim for a W-2. So I didn't really know what to do. And, you know, going to school in my hometown here of Fayetteville, Arkansas, was uh, both comforting and that, you know, I, I had a leftover high school scene and so I didn't have to make friends. But at the same time, it was, I had this kind of claustrophobic feeling where I, my social circle was stagnant. I didn't know what I wanted to do with my life and I was stuck in my hometown. So uh, there was a period when I was 19 when I, I tried to do a lot of self-reflection, kind of making a promise to myself that one fall I was 
I was either going to go uh, hiking and camping with new friends, or if I couldn't find new friends, then I'd go no friends at all. And I had a little Ansel Adams landscape calendar. Every weekend, I'd you know kind of plot where I wanted to go and who I might be able to invite to go with me. Needless to say, I spent a lot of time in the woods by myself. And uh, you know, on those little sojourns, I you know had a lot of time on my hands, no one else to talk to. So I started to think about you know what is it that you know intrigues me? What do I want to get out of this period here at the University of Arkansas? What are the main takeaways? And I had this interesting habit where you know I was in the Fulbright College of uh, Honors College, and uh, so I, I was assigned a uh, career counselor, if you will, that I had to go talk to in order to get my get a code that would unlock my ability to select courses. And I'd go and I'd listen and she'd give me that code and then I would uh, forget everything that she would say and would look through the course catalog and just pick stuff that looked interesting to me. So I took pottery classes, I took Spanish classes, I took uh, recreation classes, uh, advanced chemistry classes. It was really just anything that I was interested in. And over the course of a couple of years, a pattern emerged, that being one in the geology, geography, fields of study, and ultimately culminated in the earth sciences degree. But interestingly enough, I've, my, my intention was to never use that earth science degree. Um, my intention was to use that period of learning um, to understand how the landscape was created and you try to understand uh, human relationship with the landscape. Well, now, when you started Ammon Jordan Productions, you had just graduated, correct? Yeah, so my first job after graduating from the U of A with this, this Bachelor of Science degree was actually as a manager for a local commercial photo video studio. And they, at the time, were doing a bunch of product photography for Walmart and Sam's Club. And so I found myself you know, taking pictures, stylized pictures of, of pork chops, um, you know, and that sort of thing. And while it was really fascinating to me, you know, to be creating these weekly, weekly circulars wasn't at all interesting. Uh, you know, I grew up here in Fayetteville, spent a lot of time, you know, exploring, ultimately fell in love with paddle sports. I remember my mom got me a canoe when I was, you know, 15. I remember when I got my first vehicle, the first thing I did was build a, a wooden rack for the bed of this truck so I could haul the canoe to the Mulberry River. And, well, I loved photo, video, and I loved geology, geography. I also really loved adventure recreation. And so I'd skip out of town every chance I got, you know, every three or four inch rainstorm that brought the creeks up. I was I was gone um, exploring, running first descents on waterfalls. And ultimately, this uh, this Ammon Jordan production company was, uh, was an excuse to, you know, marry my passion of photo and video uh, with my true love of uh, adventure recreation and, and paddle sports in particular. I had a good run with that. It, it took me all over the world. and I got a bunch of free flip-flops out of the deal. But ultimately, it wasn't enough. I found good money in it. I found a great lifestyle. But it wasn't substantial. I don't know. It was a little selfish, I felt like, to, you know, well, on one hand, it seems so glamorous to get to go to the Adirondacks every fall to, to take pictures. But at the same time, I just, it's just, I wasn't using it as a platform for any consumer education, for any, you know, make the world a better place ambitions. 
And so ultimately I got frustrated with it. You know, as, as trite as it sounds, I believe that my or our responsibility in this the few moments that we have here is to make it a better place. Otherwise, we're wasting everybody else's time. Well, I know you later for several years were working for energy-friendly ventures where you were an investment manager managing a portfolio for creating social and environmental change. Right. So in my travels as a professional filmmaker, you know, I had a lot of time on my hands, you know, literally floating down the river, contemplating life. And along the way, as I went with the flow, I started to think about, okay, what are the, you know, what are the changes that I want to see and how can I help create those changes? And I came to the realization that there was no shortage of idealistic entrepreneur, um, young folks, myself included, that think of themselves, you know, as capable of anything. You know, they're in this invincible, idealistic phase of life where the world is their oyster and, you know, they can do anything that they want to do. And so I started to think, okay, well, if there's a bunch of idealistic entrepreneurs out there, uh, there's a bunch of consumers that are interested in sustainable or organic, you know, clothing or, or foods, what, what's the disconnect between that entrepreneur and the consumer? And I realized that money had a lot to do with it. I needed to try and figure out how to enable these entrepreneurs so that they could bring their their idea to fruition so that they could start their company, which would launch this innovative product or service to connect with this pent up consumer demand. And so, uh, you know, looked at my bank account and realized, well, I don't have any money. And, you know, I found myself in the, at the time living on a houseboat in Seattle with my new wife, uh, also a U of A graduate. And Seattle is, is this fascinating place where there's a the very supportive of the creative class, a long history of wealth accumulation, thanks in part to Microsoft and Adobe and now Amazon. So there's a, a ton of high net worth individuals out there, a community that's really supportive of, of creatives. There's uh, flourishing nonprofits. I heard one time that there are more nonprofits per capita in Seattle than there were anywhere else in the nation. It was just a really fascinating place. And I happened to, just by chance, because I was volunteering at a, a nonprofit that was trying to you know, help the local co-op. We, here in Fayetteville, we have the, the Ozark, Ozark Natural Foods, but in Seattle, the same version of it is called the PCC, Pacific Consumers Co-op. And and another of the, one of the volunteers was a cashed out entrepreneur who had sold what was at the time the largest direct to home organic produce delivery business, a gentleman by the name of Ronnie. And so Ronnie and I started talking and he's like, hey, well, you know, I'm, I'm cashed out. I've got all this money. Oh, by the way, I, I come from uh, affluent New England family. I've got money that I'd like to invest. What are some of your ideas and how can we collaborate? And that conversation led to a couple of uh, joint ventures uh, and ultimately led to a coffee date with this gentleman who had designed all the feature sets on early versions of Microsoft Word, uh, a gentleman by the name of David. And he and his family had drafted a, a five-point definition of the term sustainability. 
And four out of five of those, those bullet points were near and dear to my heart. He, like Ronnie, said, well, hey, I've got some capital I'd like to put to use. Maybe we should collaborate. And so we ended up working together for six or seven years. We started a statewide trade association for residential energy efficiency contractors. And so we helped the city of Seattle receive ARA funds. And in doing so, we put together a for-profit energy efficiency contractor. The strategy was to try and turn this cottage industry into more of a, a viable sector of the uh, home services segment pursuant of this larger greenhouse gas emissions goal that was part of the family's definition of sustainability. So the latter part of my uh, time with David was spent doing early stage investing in uh, other startups, early stage businesses that had an environmental objective to them. But in, in doing so, we realized pretty soon that while we were willing to invest several million dollars, that was really a drop of the bucket in terms of the amount of capital that was necessary to shore up the Seattle social entrepreneur scene. And so we created investment clubs, uh, we organized investment funds, and both of those were attempts to de-risk investments and to establish co-investing opportunities so that you know, for example, if a company needed a million dollars, we could provide a tenth of the capital. Uh, our communities could provide that other 90%. And in the process of making a, a collective decision, we would effectively de-risk it by looking at it from, you know, 10 different perspectives and bringing 10 different unique decision-making skill sets to each specific opportunity. And so that was fascinating. Uh, and at the same time, we started to establish uh, syndicate strategies with local investment clubs and regional investment clubs and ultimately venture capitalists. So we, you know, we became kind of like a, a pipeline, if you will, for of, of high quality early stage ventures that uh, later stage VCs were considering. So as David and I reached the end of our work together on, on his family's definition of sustainability that was and there was other problems that I wanted to solve in the entrepreneurial space and I also had started a family at this point and began to look at the world through different eyes and you know, harken back to my time as a U of A student my interest in geography um, my early adulthood and you know all the adventure recreation that I was doing and I decided that I wanted to try and marry those passions with a sense of confidence that capital would be available to help create changes in the built environment that would be beneficial to you know my daughter who at the age of two was learning to ride a bike already so that and that leads me to where i am today well that's great what a tremendous story and so now you're the active transportation coordinator and you've explained what that is why is this important to you and why is it important to the university of arkansas you know i was thinking about this yesterday and one of my office mates said to me, you know, I've been thinking about, you know, what it is that we're trying to do here in the office for sustainability. He said, I read once that the best time that people say the best time of my life was in college. And when you, you think about that, it's like, well, why? What was it about that college chapter that was so remarkable? And one thing that stands out is it was the one time, perhaps the only time in one's life where you actually live 
in a walkable community where you're outside of your car, you're interacting with you know, strangers, you're exchanging pleasantries with the person that holds the door for you, and you're using your body. And there's a simple pleasure that comes from fresh air and sunshine. And there's mental clarity that translates to, you know, attentiveness in class, which translates to a higher GPA. It's just fundamentally simple. It's so simple. We forget how imperative it is to our life experience and our day-to-day quality of life. And so I'm just trying to bring back the basics to the University of Arkansas campus uh, so that people can safely get from their bedroom to their classroom with a smile on their face and not having to worry that, you know, something dangerous could confront them. Um, you know, I just want everybody to, to have a good day and to have a smile. And, you know, and if I can do that by enabling their experience through infrastructure, great. But it's unfortunately, it's not that simple. Behavior change is, is probably one of the biggest challenges. There's evidence that if you build it, it being active transportation infrastructure, that it will be immediately and universally adopted. But there's also this dominant perspective that vehicles are a necessity. You know, if, if every incoming freshman from out of state realized that this community was walkable and bikeable, they may not bring their SUV from across the border. And ultimately, we do live in a very um, bicycle and pedestrian oriented community. You know, people talk about the hills, but the hills are actually good for us in terms of yeah. exercise. And this summer, I, I read a book called No Sweat. And, you know, I won't go into the book, but it inspired me to start riding my bike to work. And the problem is I live in a neighborhood that is connected to a busy highway that has no shoulder and cars are going 60 miles an hour. So I hadn't been riding my bike to work. Now, I periodically, when I have my meetings in Bentonville, I'll drive to the Greenway and then ride my bike to Bentonville. I have a place to shower up there. I have my meetings up there and I ride back. But I only do that periodically, you know. But this summer, I started riding my bike to work because our, you know, the Razorback Greenway is such a great way to do it. And when I ride to work, I don't ride hard enough to where, you know, I'm going to get really sweaty. And But I, I ride more leisurely. And I've noticed that I feel more energized at work. And then at the end of the day, a lot of times I will ride a little harder. But I've noticed when I come home after riding my bike, I'm more present with my family. It, it creates more of a, a break than, a ride, than in driving my car for some reason. But something about this, I'm telling you, I wish I would have figured this out much earlier in my life. So I, I think there's a part of this act of transportation that our society is really missing out on that affects you. Not only does it make you healthier physically, but it I really feel like it makes you healthier emotionally. Absolutely. Yeah, I think what you're talking about is a really great uh, compromise for folks who you, you know live somewhere where walking or biking from their home to their place of employment or their, uh, you know, or, or campus is not really not the best option. You know, that maybe there's 
narrow roads and fast cars and open ditches. It would really be a bad idea to, to bike on on one of those uh, segments of, of roadway. But what you're talking about, you know, this hybrid solution where you you drive the scary bits and you enjoy the beautiful bits, that's a great approach. And I would strongly encourage people out there to explore those opportunities. No matter where you are, there's going to be bicycle advocates in your community. And if you look um, around, you'll find that there are established bike routes, or maybe there's even dedicated infrastructure for, for walking or biking. And it could be as simple as a, a sidewalk. So I wholeheartedly encourage people to, to think creatively about how they travel for work or for errands. Maybe your office is out of reach, but maybe the library isn't. Uh, or maybe you could put your backpack on and, and go to the corner grocery store for bread and milk uh, instead of driving. But then, you know, to your point, like, you know, society is missing out. They, they are. And who doesn't want to, you know, at the end of the day, as they fall asleep, ha- have this feeling of, wow, today was a good day, or I'm satisfied with my life, or I, I'm, I'm excited for tomorrow. Who doesn't want to have that? And it's not that all day, every day is going to be awesome. You know, we're always going to have challenges, but what are the little things that we can do to create the feeling of, of joy? And you know, active transportation on a chemical level releases uh, hormones that create feelings of elation and and they translate not only to the feeling of joy but they translate to productivity you know productivity translates to you know getting recognition for the outstanding work that you're doing maybe even a pay raise maybe it's a you know a gpa you know it it translates to ultimately to to successes in life i I think that anything that we can do to help people have a good day and to, to be invigorated and to sleep well and to to succeed is is our responsibility. So I'm, I'm really proud of what the university is doing. I'm, I'm proud of what the city of Fayetteville is doing. Uh, I'm proud of what you're doing at, at the Walton College of Business because I think it's so fundamental and it will, it will be so well received by folks who don't even realize it didn't exist in the first place and ultimately improve the, the broader quality of life for, for staff and faculty and students in the community writ large. Thanks for listening to today's episode of the Be Epic podcast from the Walton College. You can find us on Google, SoundCloud, iTunes, or look for us wherever you find your podcasts. Be sure to subscribe and rate us. You can find current and past episodes by searching Be Epic Podcast, one word, that's B-E-E-P-I-C podcast, and now Be Epic. Be Epic.